Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. My name is Jacob Taylor. I'm one of the evangelists. Today we're turning our attention to the account of Jairus' daughter and the woman who had an issue of blood. It's found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, and Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. While all three of the Synoptic Gospels record these events, Mark supplies the most detail. So that's where we're going to focus, upon Mark's account. That's Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came and upon seeing him fell at his feet, and pleaded with him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him, and pressing in on him. A woman who had, who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was not helped at all, but instead had become worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. She had been saying to herself, If I just touch his garments, I will get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And immediately Jesus perceiving himself the power from him had gone out, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. While he was still speaking, people came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher further? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion, and people loudly weeping and wailing. And after entering, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But putting them all outside, he took along the child's father and mother, and his own companions, and entered the room where the child was in bed. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was twelve years old. And immediately they were completely astonished. And he gave them strict orders that no one was to know about this, and he told them to have something given to her to eat. Okay, we see in this particular account, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus leaving the region of Gadara, which was on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, 
and making his way to Capernaum, or at least to the vicinity of Capernaum, over on the western side of Galilee, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Awaiting his arrival was a large multitude of people, and two individuals were about to have their lives touched and changed forever by Jesus. The first one we find was a man of some position. He is said to be a ruler of the synagogue. If, in fact, this was taking place in Capernaum, then this man could very well have been one of the elders of the Jews who had come to Jesus earlier on behalf of the centurion. I wonder what his attitude toward Jesus had been before. Had he been a believer, only quietly for fear of the reaction of the people? Had he been one of those who questioned Jesus and tried to ensnare him? Whatever he may have been, he was now feeling the press of tragedy in his life. His little girl, his only daughter, 12 years of age, was dying. Whatever his attitude may have been before, now, in this time of crisis, he came to Jesus. You know, Luke declares, And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. Matthew tells us that the position this man took as he came to Jesus was one of worship. Matthew says he fell at his feet and worshipped him. So this constitutes a public confession of his faith because he did it in front of all. Isn't it sad that so many times it takes a tragedy in life before people decide that they will stand up and state their faith? Nevertheless, he did make his request, and Jesus accepted and began to accompany him to his home. As was so often the case, Jesus was followed by a large crowd of people. We are told much people followed him and thronged him. Yeah, I, I love seeing um, Jairus' faith. It's not in, in verse 23 where he'll talk about that please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. The faith and not the the way he says it is not she might or she she may um, if, you, if you come and lay your hands on her, but she will get well and live. So there's definitely some faith and, and belief in what in Jesus from from Jairus and understanding who he was um, there and also certainly um, as we talked about this this point there's some um, um, you know when this it's a very serious situation so may put you in a, a state of desperation so he goes to Jesus but he still shows the belief and we, and we see throughout the um, the rest of this the story here, um, that even after what what he's told in verse thirty five about his daughter has died, that the the Jairus still um, is 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 believing and trusting in in Jesus. We know within the crowd of people, there was another individual. This one had not been attracted by curiosity. There was one who did not come seeking to witness what would be done for the ruler of the synagogue. There was a woman who had suffered from a disease for 12 years. We're told for 12 years she had an issue of blood. This was apparently pretty common and difficult to deal with. The, the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, 
gives no fewer than 11 cures for such a problem. Some of them were tonics and astringents, but some of them were nothing more than superstitions. For instance, the one suffering could carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in summer and a cotton rag in winter, or she could carry a barley corn that had been found in the dung of a white she-ass. No doubt this poor woman had tried everything. The account certainly indicates that she'd done everything she possibly could. Not only was her health being affected, but this condition rendered her continually unclean and consequently cut her off from the worship of God and the fellowship of her friends. I want to read to you a passage from Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 27, which explains socially what position this woman was in with this issue of blood. And I'll be quoting from the King James Version. It says, And if a woman have an issue of of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lies all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. And whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her separation. And whosoever touches those things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be clean or unclean until the evening. You think of the situation that this woman found herself in for 12 years, essentially a a social, I don't don't know if pariah is a good word, but she's not to be associating with people for a period of 12 years. Uh, All those years, she'd been going from doctor to doctor. She had spent all that she had in an attempt to get a cure, and the end result was she only saw her condition worsen. Having heard of Jesus, she just couldn't let this opportunity go past. So she made her way through the press of the crowd, desiring to do nothing but to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, believing that simply touching his clothes would do the trick. It would accomplish what all of those physicians had been unable to do over the course of all those years. And so she touched the hem, or the border of Jesus' garment, from behind. And immediately, the issue of her blood was dried up, and she felt within herself that the plague that she had suffered so many years no longer afflicted her. When this occurred, Jesus knew that virtue or power had flowed out of him, and he turned to face the crowd, asking who had touched his clothes. Yeah, I, I think even to the, the disciples' reaction there is, um, there's, a, there's a lot of people around. There's a crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And it's, you know, almost they, they just there's a lot of people around Jesus. It may have been accidental and their point of view at it, um, but certainly Jesus is using this as a, as a, as a moment, a teaching moment um, for, for these people, for us as well, and the purpose of saying this. And we see the woman in verse 33, as she's fearing and trembling of where what had happened, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And I think it's just amazing of her telling Jesus 
the, the whole truth of what she had done, perhaps even that she had been in this condition for 12 years and the different things that, and with her spending all that she had and it getting worse and just the suffering and the state that she was in for 12 years is a long time. Um, could really become your identity, that this that's just who you are. And instead, uh, she wanted to get well, and she came to Jesus. And we see the love and the compassion that he has for her, um, calling her daughter there. Your faith has made you well. Go and be, go in peace and be cured of your disease. I um, can't imagine what that must have been like for her in that moment, certainly, but in the days coming after that what it must have been like and um, the joy and uh, certainly the desire to, I would think, definitely learn more about this Jesus. I think it's kind of interesting as well, and you, you, you referenced it, the fact that she came out of this crowd to touch Jesus' garment and what she had hoped would happen, happened. But now here's a woman who for 12 years has been socially separated from the people due to the issue of blood. Jesus says, who touched me? And here she is, someone who has essentially been away from society for 12 years, having all of the attention focused upon her. And Jesus treated her, as you say, with such compassion and such empathy that it is truly a wondrous thing to see. But now our attention turns back to Jairus. Surely, when you think about Jairus and the state of his anxiety, I would think this interruption by the woman may have been a time to try his patience a little bit and to increase his concern. And now comes the words that he most feared. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any longer? The response of Jesus to these words, when you think about it, is absolutely awe-inspiring. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Well, as they came to the house of Jairus, only Peter, James, and John were permitted to enter into the house with Jesus. The other apostles remained outside with the rest of the multitude. As was customary at the time, the home was filled with professional mourners and wailers. These are individuals who were paid to come and to mourn at a death. It's interesting to me that Jesus dealt with them in such an abrupt manner. He said, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And then the laughter with which these professional mourners greeted Jesus' statement, I think can be viewed in two ways. Number one, was that Jesus was denying what they knew to be fact. The child was dead. Second, his intrusion into the matter jeopardized their livelihood. They were being paid to mourn a death. Perhaps the possibility of losing their wages served them to reject what Jesus had said and indeed laugh at him. Whatever might have been their motivation, they were ejected from the house by Jesus. Yeah, I just... Jairus is such an amazing person in, in this whole story. As you said, with with him, you can imagine this is a situation where I, I need to get Jesus 
to my daughter and how I cannot imagine the desperation, um, the desire for him to get there. And then this this pause of um, this this woman and it's you can imagine what could be running through Jairus' mind. We need to go. We need to go. And then hearing those words that his that his daughter has died. Why bother the teacher further? And then Jesus' words of do not be afraid, only believe is um, such such an amazing thing. And certainly an application for us is that when a situation looks very um, bleak or it's it's difficult to know that we, we don't need to be afraid, that we can trust in Jesus. And we see here in, in this story is that there is... So, something as as um, difficult to deal with as death that has no power over our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This young girl, dead young girl, was laying in the house. Peter, James, and John, and Jesus went into the area where the little girl was lying. Now Mark and Luke provide with exact information as to what took place, taking her hand Jesus addressed her being in, and said, Talitha kumai, which is being ter- interpreted damsel, if I say, I say unto thee, arise. She arose immediately and were not to go out and reveal what had happened, uh, generally speaking, amongst the people. The miracle would be known because many knew the little girl was dead and now she was alive. But there was to be no organized effort to spread the news. No publicity was to accompany the miracles. We might ask why Jesus would make such a request, but he had done so before. Yeah, I love verse 43 with its, it really touched my heart in in reading it. Of that he after he gives them strict orders to tell no one about this, and then he tells them to give her something to eat. I think it's uh, it again shows the care of Jesus. Not only was it that he came and raised this this girl from the from the dead, and the uh, it wasn't just the end of that or the compassion um, was done there, but making sure she was taken care of and provided for. Um, I think it just shows the the uh, matchless love of Jesus that even in the the what he had just done could be viewed as okay that that was more than enough but he still is so uh, caring and and I think it's just an amazing thing and something maybe in reading we look over um, because it's certainly a miracle just occurred and we just maybe glance over verse 43 but Jesus care throughout this whole story throughout his whole life um, just amazes me Jacob, it's interesting that he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And he said, as you say, something, give her something to eat. That no one should know it is, is a rather interesting thing. And I'd like to think about why. Why, even though the scriptures do not specifically say why, I think maybe we can, uh, can come up with a reason. The Galilee was a hotbed of the zealots. The zealots were the individuals who sought to rise up against Rome in a military fashion and defeat them or overthrow the Roman occupation. 
these individuals were consistently trying to turn Jesus' ministry to their own militaristic aims. They wanted to declare him king and have him lead the people in revolt against Rome by popular acclaim. And Jesus continually sought to calm the excitement of the people over his miracles to prevent his ministry from coming to a close before the proper time and to continue the spiritual emphasis. Jesus faced a day-to-day battle with the zealots and all other worldly-minded hearers as his ministry moved toward its inevitable and predestined conclusion. Okay, that's going to have to do it for this particular day. We appreciate each and every one of you listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends about it. It is a study of the life of Christ, the harmony of the Gospels. Until the next time then, thanks for listening.